Hey, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to episode four of the Groovy Podcast. Today is 26th of June, and I'm Peter Ledbrook, podcasting from merry old England. So, I'm joined today by Varun Sadogulski of Frog, uh, the company behind the Artifactory Repository Manager and Bintray, uh, which is a public social platform for hosting binaries and been making some uh, news in the Groovy ecosystem recently. So, uh, Baruch, thanks you for joining me. How are you? Thank you for having me, Peter. I'm actually very excited to, to be on um, Groovy Podcast. It's, uh, it's an honor and um, everything is good. Yeah. Great, that's great having you, and I hope I'm not mangling your name too much. I no, no, that's that's almost perfect. I actually couldn't ask for more of this. Possible oh, to ask for more. <laughs> Super, thank you for being so polite. <laughs> okay, so it's only been a week since the last episode, uh, so there isn't an awful lot on the news front, uh, except some. Very, 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 very big news, for me at least, which is that uh, Grails in Action, second edition, should have gone to press last Friday. Woo, we're nearly there. Woo, woo. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. So, yes, Glenn and myself will probably be going on two very, very long holidays for a while. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's so, it's tell, good. Tell me about, about this this early edition state of the book. So, uh, because I have a feeling that, uh, I won't name any names, but I actually mentioned Groove in Action, uh, second edition, is an early edition for, uh, for a reason. Because that's the only way you can um, add uh, updates without actually having an obsolete book. So once it's in early edition, you can keep going forever, adding new features, Groovy 3, and what's not, and it's still it's still not published, so it's still okay to change. <laughs> well, uh, I don't want to say anything, but um, yes, actually, it's uh, I think that's why the lean publishing systems work quite well because you're publishing online, you can continually update them relatively easily, um, but it. It is early access because there is supposed to be, at some point in the future, the actual publication of the book. So, um, actually, I mean, to be fair, Groovy in Action's made great progress recently. So, um, I think they're looking to have to come out uh, in paper, in hardback or paperback, eh, this year, later this year. I don't know when exactly. Yeah, so actually, as I mentioned, maybe maybe it shouldn't be. Maybe maybe this early edition in Manning is just the lean publishing of Manning. Let's keep it this way. Let's edit. Let's keep it up to date. Let's just yeah, it. yeah. But at, at some point, um, do you need to have a printed version. Okay. People want printed versions of these things. Still, you think so? well, you know, until until you can get technical books on Kindle. Uh, looking nice, then I'm not really a fan. I don't like reading off LCD screens. Um, and many people just like the physical aspect of books anyway. Um, you can. It's much easier to take to bed with you to read or, you know, once you've got away from the computer for a bit. So uh, there, there, are, there are many reasons why people still favor physical books over, say, reading off a, an iPad or of their laptop or you know, computer screen. Yeah. Um, I, I feel personally, Kindle. You know, the e-ink, electronic ink, is uh, a good substitute. But the Kindle itself, 
isn't a suitable form factor for technical books. So when that changes, then maybe the, the publishing system will change more as well, especially for technical books, because, you know, uh, they do, techn technology does keep changing. To be honest, though, the authors like to have a, an end point as well. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we want to be finished at some point. Don't think about it too much, because uh, you are going to start the third edition, uh, what, in two months? <laughs> uh, not on the cards at the moment, so <laughs> we shall see. Um, anyway, so getting back to the news, the Gradle Summit, it's the second one, I believe, has just finished, and uh, in the show notes, I have a link to a summary by John Engelman. Uh, so, I don't know, Baruch, were you at the Gradle Summit? I no, Fred, Fred, uh, yeah, Fred went there and gave some uh, talks, um, did an introduction and talked about being trade to prepare the audience to the announcement about the Gradle uh, plugins portal that you mentioned uh, last week. So um, our um, Fred represented Jeff over there. Okay, cool. And yeah, I will be coming back to uh, the Gradle plugin portal uh, in the interview stage. So yes, uh, so that seems to be going pretty well, the Gradle Summit. So expect to see another edition next year. Uh, also, you know, it's actually going to be news related to Bintray somewhat. Um, versions 0.4 and 0.4.1 of Bintray Gradle plugin were released this week, uh, both yeah. of them, and without release notes. So can you please tell your technical <laughs> team <laughs> to actually populate the release notes when they release Yes, them? yes. Actually, we got uh, we got a couple of um, subsequent requests from the same people who goes like, OK, what's new in 0 0.4? You know what? Forget it. What's new in 0 0.4.1? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're waiting for the stable release before you actually fill in the. No, no we, we will we will address it probably later today or tomorrow, and we'll publish release notes and finally. So the big news are compatibility with Gradle two compatibility with the Gradle portal, but there are a bunch of you know feature small features and bug fixes that also came through. Okay, cool. And actually, my particular interest recently was whether you could publish to a generic, one of the generic bin trade repositories. So um, I suspect that's still not possible. It's geared and towards Maven style. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 still it's still going to the Maven repo uh, because this is kind of a, a, a little bit bigger than the scope of this minor release, small and minor release. Mm. So probably we will we will implement it because there is a demand of, uh, for it. Uh, but I hope in the next version. Okay, yeah, that'd be great. Because uh, uh, at the moment, the uh, Lazy Bones plugin uh, uses its own upload task. Not terribly difficult to implement, um, but it'd be nice to use the uh, just rely on the standard one for doing that. So that's cool. That's being released. Um, as I meant, if you listened last week, then you'll know that I uh, had perhaps rashly said I was going to allocate half an hour to an hour a day working on the Groovy documentation. So you may be interested on what kind of progress I've made. Well, I didn't quite do it every day. Uh, as I think I said in a, a blog post recently, I've done it about 50% of the time, which I feel is, is pretty good going. Um, still not too much content to uh, show for it, still 
uh, trying to learn ASCII doc, um, dealing with tables and including uh, source snippets. Uh, it's a very powerful system. Currently just hit a nasty issue with tables and uh, the Bitwise OR operator, but hopefully <laughs> we can get that fixed sometime in the near future. Uh, yeah, because anyways, this, is the, this is the row separator in ASCII. Yes, exactly. <laughs> As I, I want Groovy to change the bitwise or operator to a different character just so I can do the documentation for it. <laughs> um, but anyway, so uh, I have been continuing to work on that, but I also at the weekend did a blog post. I will put a link in the show notes, but gives you a, a brief introduction to how to get started with working on the Groovy documentation. Uh, this, is, this is very big because uh, working on documentation is one of the best entry points to, to an open source project, right? So yeah, you cannot go and be a committer for Groovy core just because you want to help Groovy, but writing documentation snippets, code examples, this is something that almost everyone that knows a little bit of Groovy can, can contribute. And, and uh, this, it's, it's very important to have this low barrier entry to the open source project and your post helps it a great deal. Yeah, I mean that's my hope and also it's when you're writing about something you often because you think about corner cases and other issues you actually start to learn more about whatever you're writing about so Groovy in this case so um, you'll, you'll, you'll think about okay I can do this but hold on a second what if somebody wants to do something else with the bitwise or operator will that work so then you test it and uh, or ask the Groovy developers what's going on and that kind of thing so um, it's I think that's a, an interesting way of learning about uh, any piece of technology whether it's a language or a framework uh, I was I've been looking at wrap pack today and I was just thinking if I you know, allocate some time to working on the wrap pack documentation that will force me to learn more about the framework itself and then be better. This is something worth learning, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Wrap looks like amazing, amazing framework. The ideas are right, the implementation is even better. I enjoy it very much and, and I enjoy seeing it progressing and, and get, catching momentum. This is it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like it as a, a lightweight web framework I, I hesitate to call it a framework even it's it's a little bit like Gradle and it wants to be a tool rather than something that forces too many opinions on you yeah um, and this is and this is for a reason because if you want a good web framework in groovy ecosystem you already have one right yeah yeah so um, if you uh, especially I mean Grails is very good for um, the sort of traditional web app type of stuff um, but it's, I think that's been, you know, Ratpack, the design of Ratpack is heavily influenced by Luke's experience with Gradle. So a lot of the philosophy of Gradle is in Ratpack. Um, the, only, the only issue I have with Ratpack at the moment is it's a bit inaccessible because uh, the documentation is weak. Therefore, actually contributing to the documentation would uh, help quite a lot. Yeah. That's, that's a problem with a lot of open source projects because people enjoy yeah. writing code and much less enjoy writing <laughs> documentation for the code. Yeah, there's that. It's also Ratpack is, you know, by in essence a, a very flexible web framework and flexibility generally comes at a cost 
to some degree of um, accessibility. Um, so I, I think you know when it reaches one and a lot of the documentation is is uh, up and running uh, and people can easily understand it, it'll be it'll be it'll go really well. I think it will be very popular as an alternative lightweight framework. Um, anyway, so. Uh, just we talked about my blog post on the Groovy documentation. Cedric Champeau, core Groovy committer, followed that up because I think partly because I was hassling him how to set up Groovy in the IntelliJ. Um, he said that other people have asked him as well. So he created a screencast showing you how to set up uh, the Groovy project, the source code for it, in IntelliJ. Um, and you just have to be aware of, you know, don't use the Gradle tooling in IntelliJ um, yes. because it adds things that, that actually break the project. Yes. So you, know, you, you, need follow... to go, you need to go with Gradle idea, which is actually documented in the README, in Groovy uh, core top level README file. So th this is the, it's like they have this contributing part which more or less consists on one phrase, check out Gradle idea, you're done. Yeah, I was told that you need to run Gradle jar as well. Um, and yeah, you when I when I imported opened the project in IntelliJ, it actually asks, do you want to enable Gradle tooling? Because then you can use the Gradle sidebar. Yes. But as soon as you enable it, it messes up the project completely. So. Well, um, it's just these the, little things. I, I can go ranting um, at least half an hour now about uh, Gradle support in IntelliJ IDEA. <laughs> okay, then we, we're best three leave. years ago, three years ago, I opened the ticket in 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 Utrecht, and for a very long time, it was the a most vo uh, the most voted uh, feature in IntelliJ IDEA, and uh, well, sad story. Well, I think they've, it, it looks like it's made uh, very good progress with the support for the DSL and the Gradle sidebar. But um, I, I don't know if there's, you know, why there's still a difference between Gradle idea and importing as a Gradle project. But then, you know, especially with something like Groovy, it's a complex build. So um, I, th I'm, I'm think the IntelliJ, IntelliJ guys and the, the Gradle guys will be, you know, working to uh, improve that even further. Um, but it's it's interesting how you know I'm still not so much of an IDE fan. Um, I I will use the IDE, but I don't feel I have to use the IDE. Whereas some people just don't like moving outside of the IDE. So yeah, for any language, for any tool, for any library, IDE support is like the number one requirement for many people. Yeah, that, that that actually will be me. I, I love I love my code completion and I love my syntax highlighting and errors highlighting. And hey, you know, hey, you can get syntax highlighting and code completion in Vim. Yes, but admittedly not intelligent I, code completion. Yeah, but no, no, but with Vim, I, I'm constantly using Vim. It's always open on my desktop because I don't know how to exit. <laughs> I saw I saw a joke recently about Vim. I wish I could remember what it is, but it's it's around the fact that it takes people you, people have Vim open because they can't work out how to get out of it. <laughs> I did spend a lot of time trying to work out how to do that. Uh, dear. Anyway, so 
that's most of it for the news. Uh, if you are interested in other little tidbits from the past week, or any other week for that matter, I definitely recommend checking out both uh, Guillaume's weekly sort of newsletter for Groovy. Uh, I'll post a link for that. And also uh, Jakob Mikkelsen's Grail's Diary, uh, which also comes out every uh, week, every few weeks, um, uh, with more sort of Grail-specific uh, news. Okay. Jan's so persistence is, is quite impressive. He's managed to, to issue this uh, weekly newsletter every week for, uh, for quite a period now which is yep. unusual because usually you start, okay, I will do it every week, and then, okay, every week and a half, and then you go from there, and once in a month yep. you have something. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's a surprising amount of work. You need to allocate that block of time during the week to, to work on it, to collate all the news items as well. Um, just just following the news is, is hard enough as it is. So. Uh, big props to him and to Jakob. Uh, admittedly, you know those are the two main sources of my my own news about uh, the Groovy ecosystem. So that is it for the new stuff. So going on to the interview. Right. Hello, Berg. Again. Uh, just can you start with just uh, saying a little bit about yourself, your background. Uh, you know, you work for JFrog. What do you do for those guys? How long have you worked for them? That kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, um, all of the JFrog, let's say, founders and and early employees, we are we are all come from a services company. Um, when we were working together for a significant number of years, uh, doing um, services consulting around uh, Java stuff and a lot of build and continuous integration stuff it was early um, uh, early days for for uh, for those concepts, and um, uh, we build our own framework around Ant uh, that does kind of continuous integration and dependency management in the days where there was only unusable Maven one uh, as an alternative. But uh, then Maven 2 um, was released and we were very passionate about it. Um, and then we discovered that it's almost unusable without having your own in-house Maven proxy. Um, this was a very significant demand for, for our customers, which were big enterprises. And, and then we just wrote kind of a very small and, and minimal tool for them to use. And uh, it got its own life, and uh, we discovered that um, the, the, this is a critical piece of, of every continuous integration and continuous delivery pro, uh, uh, process. And uh, that's how JFrog was born. Uh, we started uh, the backyard of um, Frederick Simon, our CTO. Uh, and uh, then we moved uh, to to one room office, and 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 the rest is history. Now we are around uh, 60 people based in Israel and California. So all the development is in Israel and California. It's like our field branch with with field engineers and and the sales guys. Um, uh, I'm a developer advocate with JFrog, which basically means two things. And I'm hanging out with our um, real hardcore technical guys. Uh, I'm writing some code uh, around our tools, more from the user perspective, uh, like plugins and extensions and scripts around our tools. And then I talk about it, for example, now. 
Yeah, cool. Yes, I'm. I'm uh, being a, an ex-developer advocate myself. Uh, I know. I know how underappreciated we all are as well sometimes, but um, it's a it's a great role to have. So I'm interested. Was Artifactory first, or did it come out at a similar time to um, uh, Nexus? Uh, it was first by a relatively significant time frame, uh, if I remember right, more than a year before Nexus uh, Nexus was released. Um, of course, uh, Nexus uh, has the advantage of being for coming from the same home from Maven itself, so it was like a, a default a default stack, taking Maven and Nexus together. Uh, we that only makes us works harder to get a, a better product as an alternative, so people will actually want to make an action and switch. And I think uh, we did a, we did a good job, and uh, uh, and. We, we we feel a very very strong commitment in the market and the mm. community to Artifactory and um, looks good for yeah. us. I mean, I have to say, I I think it's great that uh, you know I've I've used it when I've needed to test something with a private um, repository manager, and you just download it and run it, and boom, you've got something there with a minimum of effort. And I think you know getting to that stage is uh, very important because you know people are time poor typically so you don't want to make it hard work for them so any yeah. tool that takes the effort to make it simple to get started uh, does win in the end I think yeah and, and the interesting part is of course the customizations because the continuous delivery continuous integration and, and, and project automation uh, they are very different and, and uh, we're here on the same page with, with Hans and, and the Gradle guys um, which is exactly the opposite approach of, of Maven, which tries to say every Java project is the same. We believe that every project is different. So it's about it's about extensions and it's about integration. And uh, you can take a piece of very simple groovy code written in in, in very convenient DSL and and extend the REST API to your need, or or you know answer to any kind of an event inside inside the repository itself. So you can add uh, any type of, of of checks or or cleanups or schedule tasks, extend the API and doing what's not, and uh, all in very simple groovy scripts. So this is all also a very big uh, game changer. Mm. Yeah. So it's. I mean, that actually goes. I mean, mentioning hands, it goes to one of my questions, which is, you've uh, JFrog just seems to have been involved with the Groovy ecosystem certainly for a while now, but also uh, Gradle. I, I, I've seen your booth next to the Gradleware booth. Uh, I think a couple of times at Java One, um, and I know you guys uh, talk to each other. So you know, how long has that relationship been? Going and, and do you know how that where that came from? You know, was the driving the driver? Yeah, so the, this um, the, our interest in uh, in Gradle um, sparked in very early days of Gradle, where we still were working in the in the services company I mentioned, because uh, with all uh, the revolutionary approach that Maven introduced, we still uh, felt that it lacks. A lot of um, um, a lot of functionality and of course a lot of flexibility that uh, our uh, customers demand from uh, from their from the environment. So we constantly looked at for alternative um, uh, builder back in the times was an interesting alternative and uh, Gradle as well. 
uh, and uh, we were betting quite strongly on Gradle from very early days. And um, being as very early adop adopters, we, uh, we came to know Hans. And um, with JFrog, with Artifactory, um, the synergy between those two tools is, is very, very um, significant because they actually complete each other and Gradle actually cannot be um, um, cannot exist without a repository for its dependencies and um, Artifactory uses um, the artifacts that are produced for, from build tools and of course provides the artifacts to the build tools. So that's, that's a perfect synergy and uh, the ideas and the concepts and how we see project automation, continuous integration, continuous delivery are, are exactly the same. So it's only natural for us to work together. We have great pl Artifactory plugin for Gradle. Gradle has great support for Artifactory as a repository. We enjoy, and and the, the colors are the same. We both are green, so. Mm. So when are the two companies going to merge? Well, uh, this is not a question that I that I can comment on. <laughs> 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 but but we, 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 we're, we're, we're truly uh, great friends, both on personal and technical uh, level. That's, that's true. Yeah, and of course, as the, uh, you mentioned it uh, during the uh, news cycle, Bintray is the um, source of the Gradle plugins now. Um, in fact, it's, is it JCenter is the, uh, stores the actual plugin binaries, but you also <laughs> Add the information to a Gradle plugins repo in Bintray. Well, yes, I um, I remember you commenting it uh, last week uh, that uh, it wasn't clear to you why uh, uh, what's going on between all those repositories and and how they and how they are related to each other. Mm, so, two seconds about uh, how Bintray works. Uh, this is your this is a distribution platform, and you can think about it as your own uh, download center. So you have a software, you need to, uh, to be able to provide it to your users, and uh, you need to build a download center for, for it. Here we have one that we give for free for any kind of open source project, so you can just use it. Now, the interesting and I believe revolutionary um, concept uh, in Bintray is the idea of linking uh, packages between repositories. Um, you can include or ask to be included um, for your package inside another package. And there are a number of scenarios why would you do it. So first scenario is uh, I developed something and nobody knows me, but uh, Jupyter have a very popular repository. And people use your repository, they, they go there to discover new stuff. And I'm asking you, would you be so kind to include my package in your repository so people will know about it? Um, this is kind of uh, this kind of what we saw in the beginning that the usage will be, but then we discovered that the truly powerful feature of inclusions is for the pluggable software providers. For example, Gradle, Grails, Griffon, um, Lazybones, or or any other project that that uses plugins, because these give you the perfect win-win situation. When the plugin author has its own space, its own private repo, and the ownership of the plugins, and on the other hand, with the inclusion mechanism, um, the provider of the platform 
it can have all the packages of the plugins included inside the platform itself. And this is exactly how you use it for, uh, for LazyBonds. If I want to write my own um, template, I will do it inside my repository. Uh, and then I will, include, I will ask you to include it. You will check that it actually makes sense and it's a good template. And then, boom, the templates repository have my uh, template uh, in it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and and it's, it's similar, you know, it's the mechanism Grails would use if it had been there when uh, the when, yeah, when it will be there. Uh, <laughs> I can't speak to that, but um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there is a move to Bintray uh, in the future. Right. But, uh, right. Yeah. So, so. so it's exactly it's exactly for it's exactly the same for Grails, of course, and it's exactly the same for Gradle. So the whole idea is you have this build script part of Gradle build, when you need to tell Gradle where to find the plugins to build the project with, and. Uh, it's usually looking very awkward because you repeat uh, usually the same information in the build script part and the build itself. For example, where to take the dependencies from. So you're going to repositories over there and repositories over here, and they are usually the same. So um, with Bintray, you can eliminate all this build script part altogether because uh, you can have a canonical repo of all the Gradle plugins and uh, just by applying a plugin by its ID, um, Gradle will know uh, where to find it because there is a canonical repo. The problem with canonical repos usually uh, is how the stuff gets into it. But with the inclusion mechanism, it's very, very simple because um, the developer of the plugin develops it in its own private repo and then just links it to the canonical repo of Gradle. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that, that, that bit entirely makes sense. I didn't, uh, what I wasn't sure about was why they need to be linked into JCenter in that particular case. Well, well. JCenter is like, it's like a canonical repo for all the open source and public jars, right? So, so you might still want to have your build script part with a JCenter uh, uh, repository in it and you know it's very easy to add JCenter as a repository. You don't need to provide any URLs or something. You just go JCenter, and uh, Gradle knows what JCenter is. So it, it, it's kind of, um, I wouldn't say it's for backwards compatibility, but it's for compatibility for different usages. So you can go and say, give me a plugin by ID, or you can say, give me a plugin by name from JCenter, and it should work the same. So, but with linkage, those um, duplications are actually free because they are on, only references to the original package which resides in the repository of the developer of the plugin. So it could be linked to two repositories or 20 repositories. It doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for the explanation. And you know, speaking of uh, of Bintray in the uh, generality, I mean, uh, you gave an explanation. I love to say that uh, Bintray is kind of the GitHub of binaries. Um, you know, for us Java developers, it's all about jar files. But I gather, you know, is uh, Bintray is doing Debian packages and RPM packages as well? 
Yeah, so at the moment we support three packaging systems. Um, actually, we support any packaging system, but we have a special uh, treatment for files in uh, Maven, Maven metadata, RPM metadata, and Debian metadata. Um, additional packaging system supports will come soon, um, and um, they will be nice, uh, saying that almost everything can be hosted now as a generic repo, as a generic uh, uh, you know, uh, generic type of files, and we have examples for uh, NPM packages, for uh, Windows installers, um, for for what's not zip files, of course, and whatever. Mm. Okay, and has has Bintray? I mean, I think Bintray is fantastic. Uh, as you said, I, I use it for lazy bones, and it makes life a lot easier. I mean, it's just great that people can publish to their own private repos. And then you just link in. You don't have to publish their stuff to your own repo. Um, but I, I just been wondering. I think it's great. I was just wondering: is it um, is it sort of exceeded? Is it sort of matching your expectations? Exceeding your expectations in terms of um, take up? You know, numbers of people using it. Uh, you know, the expressions of interest, etc. Yeah, so the, the adoption has been amazing, and, and it's keep going. Actually. It makes it a little bit hard to us to develop new features, even because, um, in terms of uh, of supporting the, the, this this tremendous amount of, of of packages coming in and the usages that we didn't see uh, that we, and we didn't expect and we just discover how people use Bintray, um, it's been amazing. It's um, it's it's a real um, it's catching fire. It's getting like a, like a, a rolling snowball, and uh, and we're happy to see it. We're happy to see this. You know something that you have uh, our uh, CTO thought about uh, a couple of years ago. Something that suddenly goes big, and and um, more more and more communities, not only developers, joining. So all the Spring framework is now on Bintray. Groovy is now on Bintray, and um, and uh, Gradle. Hopefully, uh, Grails are joined as well. All, all this part of the community, but but also others. So we have um, um, a relatively big uh, Ruby uh, ecosystem by itself uh, inside inside Bintray, etc., etc. So so it's not it's not only the Groovy ecosystem that uh, that uh, love this product, and uh, it looks good. We are going to we are going to uh, reveal our premium packages um, very very soon. Uh, so you will be able to host not only the open source, and you won't be limited to any amount of space, uh, and you will be able to, um, to get uh, um, right authentication and authorization to your customers. Um, that's the natural next step because people actively ask for it. They love the open source, but they can put their stuff out there, but they still want to use Bintray. So yes, the, the interest is huge. Mm. Yeah, I know. I imagine like uh, people will be pushing their builds to the cloud, you know, with things like um, CloudBees and the like. Uh, and of course, GitHub make a lot of their money, I believe, off uh, private repositories. So yeah, as you say, it's kind of a natural evolution of the platform. So yeah, it's great to hear that's doing uh, really well. And yeah, look forward to Rails plugins uh, repository moving to Bintray in the not too distant future. Uh, maybe Rails three. Who knows? Yeah, as I understand, as I understand, the biggest obstacle is actually in the 
the capacity on 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 uh, on side of of gradle committers they, they need to they need to build an infrastructure for that to get able to retrieve the the plugins etc and they are so overwhelmed with with gradle 3 they just yeah. don't have the yeah, it's a, it'll, be, it'll be a fair bit of work. Um, so uh, are you kind of expecting JCenter to uh, replace, in effect, Maven Central? But the story with Maven Central is, is relatively simple. And uh, between us, it's not the best repository that you can dream of. So it's, it's a pile of jar files, and you look at it, and you know nothing about jar file out there. So if you looked for something and you find this jar file as a result of going from the content to the file, it makes sense for you. But going to JSON, uh, to Maven Central just to browse around and learn about new libraries doesn't make any sense. Just a pile of file. doesn't have any metadata. Everybody can push whatever they like to it. Uh, this uh, system of uh, signing with a keeper, with private keeper, doesn't make any sense because I can pretend I'm Peter Ledbrook and push whatever I like, and it will just work because all I need to do is generate keeper with your name and email address, and I'm imposer. Um, so the the only uh, good thing about Maven Central is the fact that it's baked inside Maven. It's good for Maven users. They don't need to do anything. It just works. Mm. And uh, it's interesting how uh, the world is now um, uh, has two, um, two let's say, let's say two communities. So we have this Maven world that works with Maven Central out of the box, and uh, uh, the, the adoption of using JSON as a repository there is of course slower because when you need to do something in order to override. Maven Central, which just works, most of the people won't do it. But all the other build tools, being it old as as Ivy or Anton Ivy or, or or new and modern as um, uh, Gradle and SBT, they all have the same level of support for Maven Central and for J Central. So in Gradle, you can write Maven Central or you can write J Central as a one-liner to get a repository. The same thing is going to be released in the next uh, version of SBT, hopefully, and in the next ma version of Ivy. So it's like Maven and all the rest. And Maven has a huge market share. Until that changes, Maven Central is there. The good news are you actually don't have to uh, suffer with uploading to Maven Central stuff, because this is actually a very awkward and painful process. Instead, you can go to Bintray and push your stuff from Bintray to Central in a click of a button. So you can, you can benefit from both worlds. OK. I wasn't aware of that, so that's that's very cool, actually. Um, so Just you don't have to... the demos our logo, and you will know that this is about Maven Central. Yeah. In three mm, Cool. So I mean, I'm actually interested in uh, JCenter or Bintray in general, uh, also because you guys must be serving a lot of binaries. I mean, how much bandwidth do you guys need? Um, if I remember right the numbers, let me just check the last numbers that I have, and they are a little bit outdated by themselves. We are talking about terabytes of uh, terabytes of data. Let me just find some number that will be more 
uh, you know, something that we can rely on. Uh, yeah, here we go. Let's see what it says. Yeah, it's a, a 2.4 billion requests a month. Right. Uh, not 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 too shabby then. But so, still, we, we still we still have plenty of capacity to give. Yes. Are you are you running on Amazon or private data uh, center? Or? No, no. We we actually uh, we use uh, we use software as um, as our provider, and um, it was after still using Amazon for Artifactory. It was kind of a lesson learned that probably we won't. We won't want a new product to run as Amazon as well. Okay. They they are big and they are you know they start to lie, they start to act like a little bit of you know big guys. A dominant player, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that's affects uh, serviceability. It's the mono that's monopoly provider, yes. I mean, yeah, um, yeah it'd be interesting to see uh, you know whether. Google can make inroads, whether Microsoft with Azure can make inroads as well. Yeah, so we went so, to software and then IBM bought it, and now we are really not sure how to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a it's a it's kind of a unique problem that you guys have in um, you know uh, having that much data that you need to. Uh, handle that you need to. Yeah, the, the binary storage is huge. On the other side, yeah. we use we use checksum storage, checksum based storage. So so our deduplication saves a lot. That's for mm. sure. Okay, that's cool. So uh, I really just wanted to finish up uh, the interview with one question, which is: Is there going to be a life beyond POMs? Are we stuck with them, or do you think that we that we're going to evolve beyond them? Because I they're, they're a poor representation of uh, binary data and their dependencies and the like, I think. Yeah, so uh, as long as, as you can separate the metadata about an artifact and the script of how to build it, um, I think that POM as a, as a metadata declaration is bearable. So is, if it's only uses for, for stating the dependencies and stating the artifact uh, ID, um, that's okay. The problem with POM, in my perspective, is the huge build part. Because build part is when you're writing your build script in XML. And this is the real pain. So take Gradle, for example. Um, Gradle does this separation. So you have all your script of how you build it, and you commit it with your sources, because this is actually the instruction of how to build your source, your sources. And then you deploy a binary file with the POM XML, which only has the information about the binary itself, ID, etc., and the dependencies that it should bring with it. And, um, and for that, I think I'm OK with it, although probably it could be better formats but uh, taking in consideration how popular is it, I think I can live with POM as a metadata provider only, but of course not for the instructions of how, the, how to build the sources. Okay, so you think we'll, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the biggest issues. Um, but I've, I've heard comments that the POM format itself is, is rather limiting. It doesn't have a rich vocabulary to, to describe the dependencies of you know, what is required to use 
a particular. The, the idea um, of having artifact. three three scopes. There are actually five scopes, but two of them are totally unusable. So the idea of of limiting the artifacts in in three hard coded scopes is of course is insane and very very limited. Hmm. The uh, and the packaging types. I I, I think. Yeah. I guess packaging types okay. But it's packaging uh, types is the string, so you can you can express whatever you like with it. But but the scopes are. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Kind of unfortunate though, because uh, you know we've we we had two packaging types for Grails plugins. I think one is Zip and the other is Grails plugin. Yeah. Um, I mean, because you Poms still have that link to Maven, uh, I think that's also a, yeah, a problem. Yeah, with Gradle it solves quite nicely because you don't have to have one artifact yeah. per project, so you can you can add this metadata as a classifier. You can add it as as a, as an addition to ID to a name. Or uh, you can add it as a, as a as a packaging type. I think that the problem is packaging type because it, it, because it's both the extension of the file and an actual type, and then it goes crazy because Gradle plugin shouldn't be extension, but usually packaging is the extension of the file. So it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there. Well, hopefully. Well, we, I mean, I, I think uh, Artifactory allows you to add arbitrary metadata as well, and I think Bintray does as well. So of course. It'd be interesting to see whether any standards evolve from that with sort of a, a richer vocabulary. So anyway, sorry to, to cut you off there, but uh, yeah, thank you very much, Barak, for joining me. And, and I will be... Uh, uh, Thank you for having me, and uh, I will be uh, more than happy to join you for once more when you feel like chatting, you know, without any purpose for for a very long time about <laughs> that we love. Look That's forward to it. So, <laughs> I mean, where can people catch up with you in the near future? Are you going to any conferences? Yeah, there are a lot. We're going to uh, we're going to Oscon, uh, and we we have um, talks there. Me and you have, and the Great Conf, Great Conf US, of course. Um, okay, I'm looking cool. forward to this conference, and uh, we will have the Puzzlers talk that, uh, as I understood, was a huge success in, in GreatConf uh, Europe. Um, it's, a, it's a very funny one, uh, and, and Java one, of course, next, and, and what's not. Okay, Spring 1 to GX? Yeah, of course, and Spring 1 to GX. That's right. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, yeah, if I don't catch you at GreatConf US, um, probably Spring 1 to GX. So, Thank you once again. Um, so that's it for this episode. Look for another one in the not-too-distant future in a few weeks. Um, don't have any interviews lined up yet. Maybe able to uh, grab somebody um, after this one. I think uh, if we can grab somebody from the Gradle team, that would be cool. So we'll see what we can do. Uh, as usual, if you have any feedback or proposals for news and interviews, just send it to uh, me on Twitter, at pledbrook, or you know, email me at p.ledbrook at kakawithers.go.uk. If you don't know how to spell kakawithers, don't worry. Um, just just do a Google search for my name, and I'm pretty much the first full page of results. So it's not easy to track me. It's not hard to track me down. So thank you very much for listening, and hope to catch you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye.